This is episode number 101 of the Life, Strength, and Health podcast. I'm Kim, and I'm joined with Jamal. Greetings, everyone. And, uh, Peace and blessings. Yes, and thank you for joining us this week. We are back in the podcasting seat. We have missed everyone, um, but we're now back uh, releasing episodes. Um, now we're going to probably be releasing them every two weeks, so twice a month we'll be releasing new episodes. Um, but we're back, and we um, look forward to sharing some information of some value and a lot of information which our mission is to help you to feel and look your best naturally and in this episode we interview Doris Rhodes and we're going to be talking about grief and how to heal from it so I'm so excited to share um, this week's episode but before we dive into that just a few things that we wanted to share first thing is we have finally released our new website So excited. Um, I really love our new site because I feel that it truly represents us and it really communicates what we do and how we help people, which is our our true mission, like really helping people to feel and look their best naturally. Um, And so our new website really reflects our new branding and our services and things of that nature. So if you get a chance or when you get a chance, just go to lifestrengthandhealth.com and check it out and let me know what you think. Um, And we also have a nice freebie giveaway on there, which basically is a report on the 21 ways to eliminate your sugar addiction. So if you haven't had a chance to download that, make sure you do that. Another thing that we wanted to share is we just released our customized line of detox programs. Um, You know, many episodes, we talk about the importance of detoxification and how that is so necessary in improving your health and how to properly do that. So also, when you get a chance, just go to lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash detox to take a look at our customized line of detox programs. And we're going to be rolling out a few others um, by the end of the year or early next year. So that's all the housekeeping I have right now. So let's segue into this week's organic food for thought. And this week's organic food for thought is on ginger and its immune boosting effects. Now, I can honestly say my relationship with ginger has developed over time. Um, I, in the past, really did not like anything spicy. I was really a sweet person and I've developed a love for more spicier things, something with a punch. But in the past, you know, I I really didn't care for the taste of ginger, not too strong. Um, but over time, just learning about the different tastes and things that you need in your diet, um, I've started to incorporate more ginger in my tea and um, spices and dishes. And I truly love ginger. Yes. And now that we are starting to enter the cold season, this is definitely the time that you want to move your attention toward things like ginger and getting more ginger into your diet. Um, We're moving into the cold and flu season, right? So you want to start naturally doing things to boost your immunity and ginger should be a part of that process. Right. Like as Jamal said, um, you know, we're moving into at the time of this recording, we're moving into where we are into early fall. And so ginger, it's the perfect food to add on during the colder months because it warms the body and it helps helps to increase our circulation. Yes. Another thing that ginger does is it detoxifies the lymphatic system. And the lymphatic system is a major part of your immune system. Um, it helps to eliminate or there's channels in your body to help eliminate um, toxins and other things from your body. And if you have a sedentary lifestyle, if you don't, if you sit at your desk a lot, if you don't move a lot, your lymphatic system could be sluggish. Right. Another thing that ginger helps with, it it also helps to decrease inflammation. Yes. uh, During these seasons and it gets colder, a lot of times people get uh, stiff in their joints and things like that. So this is going to help to warm uh, your joints, your body, increase circulation, have you moving better and feeling better. Right. And the last thing 
Ginger also has been shown to help improve infectious diseases. Yes, and don't get that confused with it cures infectious diseases because it doesn't. However, uh, if you're dealing with things and you want to, uh, you know, increase your chances of fighting it, especially faster, you want to incorporate more ginger into your diet overall, um, in addition to whatever you're doing for your healing. Right. And ginger can be consumed in various forms. You can have fresh ginger root that you normally see in your produce section of your supermarket or farmer's market. You can consume ginger as a spice um, in the powder form. And then you can also um, consume ginger as a supplement. Right. And you can also have it as a tea as well. You can make ginger tea. Right. I, I like all of the above. You know, um, another thing that ginger uh, is really good with is uh, digestion. Mm -hmm. So when you have it as a tea, uh, now we're focused more on the digestive system and calming the digestive system. Really good for um, nauseousness and uh, morning sickness for pregnant women. So ginger is a powerful, yes. uh, powerful root uh, that you need to incorporate in your diet. I also like the uh, the spice, like just uh, sprinkling it on, uh, you know, our different dishes and things like that. Yeah, you it's know, delicious. yeah, it is. So uh, add add uh, ginger to your winter eating regimen. Yeah, definitely. So now let's segue into this week's episode. And I'm really, I'm really happy to share this topic. You know, being in the holistic health arena, um, when clients come to us with health challenges, um, a lot of times we show the connection between emotions and imbalances within the body. And one of those emotions is grief and the havoc it plays on your health, on your choices, on your mood, on your mindset. And sometimes people come to us and they don't even realize that they're they're suffering from suffering from grief. And so I really, you know, am so excited to share this interview with Doris Rhodes, where we touch more on grief and the misconceptions about it. And another way to really look at grief and who may be suffering from grief, because a lot of times we think grief of with someone being deceased or passing away, but there's so many other forms of grief from other experiences in our life. And we touch on that and more in this week's episode. So before we dive into the interview, I just want to read a little bit about Doris so you know more about her. Doris Rhodes received her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling from Ashland Theological Seminary and her Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Baldwin-Wallace University. She is a certified grief recovery specialist who specializes in helping her clients grow through grief and loss so that they can regain a sense of purpose and joy in their lives. Although she has grown through life-altering losses of her own, she realizes that each person experiences grief and loss differently. Her personal insight in being certified as a grief recovery specialist has given her the tools to help others. Doris offers services to individuals, couples, and groups. She is a licensed professional counselor serving clients in Northeast Ohio at Collinwood Counseling on Cleveland's East Side. So without further ado, let's dive into the interview with Doris Rose. Today we are joined by Doris Rhodes. Doris, how are you? I'm well today. How are you? I'm doing great. So uh, greetings, Doris. How are you? I am well. How are you today? I'm good. Great to have you on. Looking forward to this particular topic. Yes. So am I. So am I. Yeah, we, we talk about um, a lot of different things uh, on our shows. We we just recently went over a uh, hundred shows, and um, I can honestly. Well, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Yeah, and I can honestly say we've never spoken um, anything um, in this area before. So I think it's always great when we get a chance to talk about something totally new, right? So uh, Doris is a grief recovery specialist, right? And I remember when you uh, first told me that, I just was so intrigued by it because I, I never heard of that before. I mean, right. I've I've heard of um, 
people getting counseling uh, for for grieving, uh, maybe they that's who they were going to, and I just didn't know, but I just assumed that it was. You know, just a the, the, a standard uh, therapist. I didn't realize that you know that was a uh, area of specialty. And you know, when you think of when you think about it, it's like an aha moment. Right. Like it's, it needs to be yeah. this type of help out there because grief, if you don't get past it or you know release it, it can affect you negatively your entire life. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And physically. So uh, so question. Uh, what what led you on the path of becoming a grief recovery specialist. Like, t- tell us your story. Okay, so I'm glad we have some time to talk about that and also to talk about my story because it, it is a long one, and um, so bear with me here. So the way I look at things um, in the West, when I say West, I mean the United States, you know, we're taught to acquire and acquire things. And we even acquire people in our lives. You know, we get friends and um, we get married and different things like that. But not a lot of attention is placed on how to process feelings that come up when those things are no longer in our lives. And so my life pretty much has been impacted by many losses. Um, And I can start with the uh, murder of my sister and my nephew when I was eight years old. Wow. You know, and I remember asking my mom, you know, what am I, why am I here? You know, sometime after that, that incident. Um, And then the decade of the nineties when, and when I say decade, I really do mean the decade because Mm -hmm. um, in 1990, my father died from complications of diabetes. Mm -hmm. And then in 1994, my mom died from, um, lung cancer. Mm. And Mm. so to add on to that, in 1996, my 11-year-old daughter died from a bacterial infection in her blood. So it took another four years to 2000 for me to just kind of feel like I was able to stand again on my two feet because that I had no time in between those deaths to really recover fully from the one prior. Yeah. So then, you know, add on to that romantic breakups. And then more recently, uh, the deaths of my oldest and youngest brother in 2007. So, you know, I've been dealing with, with complicated and compounded grief, you know, most of my life. So it really wasn't until after the death of my daughter that I decided to um, get some help. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was um, referred from a friend at work to a group called Compassionate Friends. Mm-hmm. And this was a peer led group, meaning that these were people who also had children die from various reasons. And um, so this wasn't a professionally led group by a group of counselors or, or therapists or anything like that. So one of the things that I found out was that this particular group, you know, we talked a lot about the death. We stayed in that pain. You know, it was similar to, I guess, an AA meeting where you go and you say, you know, my name is and this is what the story is behind the death. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be just overwhelming and just to continue each month to stay in that pain and continue to talk about that pain. And I just began to wonder, you know, well, how do I ever get better? Because they weren't talking about how to get better. They weren't talking about moving on and being able to, to live and enjoy life again. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to stop going to that group. And so I, w- I, st- I went maybe about three months. And so I said, okay, I'll start going when I am feeling better. And I want to share some of the good things that are happening in my life. And yeah. so maybe about eight months in after that, I, um, I did some things were turning around a little bit. And so I would go and share those things. And it was not well received. Hmm which was confusing to me. Yeah. So I said, okay, then this really isn't the place for me to be. And so I just, you know, I stopped doing that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the counseling, I definitely stopped prematurely because I was just angry. I was mm-hmm. angry. I was resentful just at the whole situation. And so I definitely stopped that prematurely, not knowing that it may have been able to help me, you know, process the, the pain and the emotions that I was feeling. So at one point, uh, I started attending a mega church back in, I want to say 2011, here in Cleveland, Ohio. And one of the things that that church does is they have a community outreach program. And in order to serve on these different ministries, um, one of the criteria is that you take a grief recovery class. And I thought, wow, okay, I'll I'll do that because I really want to serve on this committee. And so during this class, I, you know, as I'm completing the homework assignments, um, I realized that how much those losses that I've had in my life were really impacting my life currently. And Mm -hmm. it was things that I didn't realize until I started, you know, making those connections and making those links to those things. And um, as I just began to process more and more, I just saw how it was being displayed in my behavior, in my habits and attitudes. Mm. So, you know, because one of the things we do in this particular program is we do a lost history graph. So you take the day you were born and, the, and today's date. And in between that, what are the losses that you've experienced? And so looking at that, it, you know, it was a little overwhelming to think that I would really think I was okay <laughs> to see all that had happened. Yeah. So I just wanted to be my best self. And one of the things I realized is I really, I have to do my own work. So it was just helpful to, to be in that group and to go through that group um, just for myself and really just see the bonds that were created too. That was, that's my first time, like really sitting in a group that was structured. So you would think that after having my own, um, healings and revelations from it, that maybe I would go and and get the training right away, but that's not something I did. Um, I actually ended up in a, uh, clinical mental health counseling master's program and then decided to get the training um, back in 2016. So, so it's been a bit of a journey. And the one thing I'll say about, you know, about doing this work as a grief recovery specialist is that it's not over. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things is that we, you know, you continue to work on it yourself, or I'll say I continue to work on myself because little things that happen, little things that are losses come up, you know, frequently. And those, those things and those emotions and feelings about it really need to be addressed because they will come out in other areas and other behaviors um, and attitudes. So that's pretty much my story. And I continue to, you know, look at that, look at those issues and things and say, okay, where am I still stuck at and need to really continue to get some healing? Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. That's, uh, that's really serious. You know, definitely. I know this is what you specialize in, but uh, I'm still, you know, taken back and sorry for, for so many losses close together mm-hmm. like that. I'm sure that had to be challenging okay. and, yeah, and it just kind of really leads us in, into the the topic itself of of grief. I mean, it seems self-explanatory, mm-hmm. but a lot of people really don't know um what they should do um when these things happen in in their life. Um you know, we hear about uh counseling and thing groups that people join, but I I don't hear that often. I really don't. A lot of times when, when uh, people grieve, they just deal with it in a sense. So I guess the question is, like, why would someone need a grief recovery specialist? So as a, so many reasons, um, like you said, you don't hear it talked about. I, I think a lot of times, especially in certain communities, there's a stigma to um, not being able to handle your own business. 
not being able to just address things and move past them because, you know, we don't have time to deal with those emotions. You know, we have to go to work, go to school, take care of the family and all those things. But um, a grief recovery specialist really comes in in those weeks and months after the family and the person support system has pulled back and, you know, gone back to their own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times um, in those initial weeks and, and months after the death of someone, I'll say the death of someone, because usually when we're talking about grief and loss, that's the first thing that comes to a person's mind is the death of a loved one. Yes. Um, you have people that, you know, they're there for you. They're, they're strong for you. You know, they check in on you every day. They make, they bring food over, they call you and, and you feel supported, but it's, it's after that, after that initial time where, you know, you were so busy planning the funeral and um, making sure everything was being done for everyone else. And you really kind of still in a fog, still in that blurry time. So when those people pull back and go back into their own lives, um, being able to continue to talk with someone about those feelings that are now starting to come up, those emotions that are now starting to come up because the realization of that loss starts to set in and look around the house. And there are all these things that, you know, remind you of this person, or if it was a, um, in the case of my daughter, it was a particular time of the day when she would have been getting home from school. That was a trigger for me. And my mood would tank and I didn't understand what was going on. But now as I've studied um, grief reactions, I understand now that that time of the day, even though I may not have been consciously aware of it, subconsciously, I was very aware and um, my body would react to that. And so the count, the specialist really is there to walk with that person and just listen compassionately to their story you know, and help them to take those small steps. They're going to every day help them to recover. So you bring up some really uh, important points. Um, When I just think about the typical process of, you're right, um, a lot of support in the beginning, uh, people bringing food, people calling and, and, and checking on them. And um, it seems to just kind of be, I don't know, uh, a sense of a person that, to, you know, they, they do it for, you know, a few weeks. Some may even do it for a month or so. And then, uh, yeah, everyone starts to kind of pull back and then you're, you're just kind of left to now really uh, deal with everything. And, I, and, and just in you saying it and, and hearing it, I, I can already see the the value and the importance of having that kind of support like after that happens um but but also just to you know be mindful of, of the process and not not be so quick to to kind of pull back and just assume that that a person is okay just because they've kind of you know moved on with their their daily uh functions in life right i also have a question um, do you find that some people who maybe they want to avoid the pain um, and maybe that's why they don't address grief? Do you ever find that? Absolutely, Kim. That is, I think, to, in my opinion, that really is the number one reason because who wants to be in pain? You know, mm-hmm. who do anything at any cost to avoid that, especially emotional pain, because where have we been taught how to process and how to deal with emotional pain. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if anything is, oh, you'll get over it, you know, you know, just going to take time or, you know, for a person who's, who depending on their religion, they're told, you know, to just pray more, read your Bible more, you know, do more of those type things. Um, just mm-hmm. keep yourself busy, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, Going to our religious and our, our religious beliefs and our faith systems are very important because for a lot of people, that is their foundation. And that's something mm-hmm. that they've used in the past to keep them afloat. But the issue is, is that if 
if there's no other resource and that resource isn't enough, you know, that person really is left to, well, where else do I turn to? Because a lot of people, you know, believe it or not, when they are grieving, depending on what the loss was and how the loss happened, they may actually be angry at Mm -hmm. their faith. And that's Mm -hmm. something that they can't go to right away. They have to build that. And so it's, it's not, it's again, it's their support that they, they need that. Yeah. Yes. So how would a person know if they needed to um, meet with a specialist? Um, so there's a few reasons uh, that a person would definitely do that. One is when, when we were talking about their support system going away. So mm-hmm. those those months and weeks after when they're saying, okay, I'm I'm still not functioning here, you know, I still mm-hmm. need somebody to talk to. Because our typical support system of family and friends, a lot of times they don't want to hear any more about it. They really want you to be okay because yeah. they're uncomfortable with talking about death, with talking about that person that's no longer there. So they really want you to be okay and you to move on. So mm-hmm. we don't want to talk about that anymore. So when they've maybe used up and maybe feel like they've become a burden to their friends and family after some arbitrary time that, you know, people make up that they should be okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also like one of the things that people need to know is that grief and the re- emotional responses that they have are normal and they're natural because, you know, it's something that's no longer part of you. And so many people experience sadness. They have difficulty concentrating. There's, they're in this little fog state. Sometimes there's a sense of just numbness, just not feeling anything anymore. Um, and the emotions can go up and down, up and down. They have changes in their sleep, changes in their appetite. And so although those reactions are normal, talking to the family and friends may just not be enough. Mm -hmm. And so when those symptoms begin to impact their daily living, so, you know, they're not being able to get out of bed or they, you know, they're not cooking for themselves. Or, you know, they're finding themselves crying at, you know, the time of day that they would have been doing this particular thing with this person or just really just just not being able to function. And people we know when we're not able, we're not functioning at our best. And that might be a time when they should seek to get help. And especially when they're starting to have feelings of guilt. Like they could have done something differently to have a different outcome. And in cases where they are, you know, considering killing themselves, Mm -hmm. those are definitely times that they need to reach out. And now that I, now that I'm thinking about it, you're just bringing up a lot of thoughts around this that I'm just considering for the first time. Uh, You mentioned uh, being angry with, uh, with the the person that, that passed. I would imagine that that would be difficult talking to friends and family about you being angry. Because you would feel so guilty. Yeah. Um, With with, uh, talking to someone, you feel angry that they passed away or you were angry with them for for whatever reason. Um, I would imagine that that would be hard to, you know, just to talk to the average person because you don't want to be judged in a sense. So to, to have, a professional to come in to be able to, I guess, voice like those, um, you know, um, parts of, of the grief. I'm sure that's, that's important as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you, you really said a lot there with a person, you know, if they're siblings, you know, we'll talk about siblings and if they experience the death of a parent, um, they're going to have a different reaction depending on the relationship that they had with that person. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't have a good relationship with them, they, they may, you know, say, okay, well they died and that's what happened and they just move on from it. And mm-hmm. another sibling, you know, was very close to the parent and they are just, you know, distraught with feelings of sadness and guilt from what happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's, a, 
it's a tough situation to be in because you the person doesn't have that freedom to be able to express those emotions. And so what do they do with them? They bury them and put them on a shelf somewhere for, okay, you know, I, I guess got to move past that because I can't talk to so-and-so. And so then the conversation and the relationship with those people change. Right. right. Based on not being able to share and be, be, you know, feeling free and secure enough in those relationships that I can express what I need to. And like you said, not be judged, you know, right. not be looked on as, you know, well, what's wrong with you? How could you say something like that? So, yeah. Do you ever uh, come across just thinking, cause, cause it's, it's complex. Um, you ever, th- ever see a situation where a person uh, didn't handle their affairs because we see this all the time. Someone didn't necessarily handle their affairs. So their spouse or a loved one, they're, they're kind of stuck with the bills and, and all of the costs of, of, of everything. So the, the person passing has left a tremendous financial uh, burden on a loved one. Um, do you see a lot of uh, anger and, and, and resentment that comes just from, from that happening? Absolutely. And not only that, but then what you're talking about are secondary losses too. Right. Because people don't plan for that inevitability. We all know that we don't get out alive. You know, there's one thing that's for sure. And so we definitely it would be in our best interest just to take that burden off our family members when we die is to have that plan out there. But that secondary loss of that person where they may have been the person who in some households, people are just a one income family. And if that person that died was the person that made the income, then now the the spouse is left with not only the funeral expenses, but how am I going to take care of this household? Mm-hmm. So now there was a there's a death and there's a financial loss. And so being absolutely angry at that person that you didn't take steps to take care of us and make sure we were going to be okay when you were no longer here. Yeah. Right. Right. So sure. So, so up until this point, I know we're, when we talk about grief, we're talking about loss, Mm -hmm. um, death. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there other types of uh, grief that um, would also need, uh, a, a specialist to help with? And I will say yes. Um, so when we talk about loss, like you said, a lot of times our first thought is the someone dying. But there are over 43 losses that we can talk about that a person actually grieves. Wow. Um, one, one is the actual loss of a job. Yes. If you think about it, so now you've mm-hmm. lost your job and you've lost your finances. Okay. So let's talk about a loss of health for a person who has been diagnosed with either a chronic illness or something that is terminal. Okay. So you can you just imagine the thoughts that race through their minds and the things that, you know, they start having anticipatory grief about the things that they're no longer going to be able to participate in or being able to see their daughter graduate or get married and things like that. Uh, You have people who experience the loss of because of a divorce, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially having been married for, you know, decades long. These are decades that you've poured into a person. And all of a sudden, everything that you did, said and believed about that are now taken away. You know, they're now gone. So even pet loss. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to area mm-hmm. as well is pet loss because a lot of us have pets and they've really become members of the family. Mm-hmm. And when those pets die, you know, it's important for friends and families of people who know of folks whose pets have died to acknowledge those deaths just as they would the death of either like a, a family member because that, that pet is a family member. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, yeah. So definitely other types of losses. There are other types of grief. One of the ones that I mentioned was the anticipatory grief. So that's just where a person like, say, for instance, um, I'm dealing with a family member who has a terminal illness 
And I know that, you know, there's going to come a day when they are going to die. And so there's that anxiety that comes with it, that's anticipating that, you know, they are no longer going to be here. And so it, it is, it's so complicated, like you said, it, it can get very complicated and complex. Yeah, I mean, you you just because uh, we, we know these things like all of these losses that you're naming. But just when you really put it in perspective and you, you think about that does bring all of those areas brings a tremendous amount of grief for people. And because it's almost it's in, in a lot of cases, it's almost can be worse in a sense, um, not not comparing it to, to death, but you you get. Like death, you're automatically going to get a certain level of support. It may not be mm-hmm. as as long as you need, but for a lot of these other things, it's just kind of like, oh man, sorry to hear that, and that, that's probably the most you're gonna get out of the situation. And um, you you don't get that that same level of support when a person can really be, you know, going through through a lot. Do you, do you see that? Yes. And what you bring up there is something that we talk about is disenfranchised grief is really Mm -hmm. a good segue into that, Um, where the person that died, it could have been something from stigmatized um, issues that are in our society, such Mm -hmm. as a death by suicide, Mm -hmm. um, overdose or, you know, drunk driving or in the commission of a crime. So now those losses, those deaths, um, how many people will talk to you and tell you, know, well, my, my, my brother com- committed suicide and, right. and feel comfortable in sharing that with someone. Right. Um, and, 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 and even if, if they died from a homicide and then add on to that, the homicide being something that was publicized on, in the media. So, you know, there's so much that goes into that. And with those disenfranchised, you know, griefs, people have a very hard time, you know, talking about those things, Um, even with just some medical conditions. And I I think it's not as much as it used to be, but a Mm -hmm. person having died from HIV AIDS, Mm -hmm. um, you know, anything that was that you know, most people would consider, well, they, they didn't have to die that way. They could have prevented it. You know, they didn't have to be um, on heroin or opioids or, you know, things like that, you know, so the overdose was preventable and this was preventable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, yeah, there are a lot of things that are preventable, but none of that, you know, helps when a person is grieving, you know, you can point those things out and that's great. And, and that's, Everyone has an opinion, but my heart still hurts. You know, yes. this, this is still a loss for me. And so how do, how do I get help for that? You know, so. And I'm, I'm sure that this answer varies, but I'm just wondering if there's any, you know, kind of cycle to this. Like, is, is there kind of like a typical or, or average uh, amount of time that um, it typically takes for a person to, to really go through the grieving process? Well, I, I wish I could tell you yes, but the answer really is there, there is no timetable to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasts really as long as it, la- as it takes for that person to adjust to that change, you know, to change in their life after that, that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, it, months and years and decades can go by. I've had people in groups that, you know, 30 years have gone by and they are still processing pain and still in pain from that death of that loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not a linear process. I know a lot of times we like to know that, okay, after I complete step five, then I'm, I'll be fine. Yeah. Unfortunately, with grief, the emotions that come with it, they come and go. They can, you know, be very, very intense sometimes and other times they're they're not there at all. Um, and it's, and I have to say that the first year can be the most difficult um, because, you know, you have the death that occurs. And. 
depending on what time of year it is, it could have been shortly before their birthday or coming up on different anniversaries or the holidays if people, you know, um, celebrate those. Those are times where you look back and, you know, oh, there's that reminiscing and going back into that that past, that, you know, oh, they're not here for this and they're not here for this next thing. So a lot of times people will spend their time with thoughts about their loved ones and what they're going to be missing out on in the future because, you know, and so I often find with people that they have a hard time with living Mm -hmm. because the life has stopped for their loved ones. So how can I have joy in my life? How can I continue to experience joy when they are no longer here? So it's, it's, it's difficult for is that first year can be very very challenging and if it, if they're the type of person who instead of even dealing with any of the emotions that they were experienced they just you know got very involved in their work or school or whatever they did to distract themselves so that whole first year they really didn't even look at it it's right. the next year that they have to because the thing about grief is it it's it's going to come out one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, You either deal with it today or you deal with it sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. Just, just in thinking about it and just how complex it is and how in our society, we don't give it the attention and the consciousness that, that it needs. Um, And I know this can't be across the board, but it, it just seems like, there needs to be more sensitivity when it comes to employment and loss. Mm-hmm. Like typically when there's a loss, you know, a person they'll have, you know, they may take at, at most that, that I usually hear people might take a week off from work, but, but typically, you know, a couple of days that they actually might take off and then they're expected to kind of get back to, to work as usual while they, uh, work through this, but there's nothing in place to, to, to deal with that just from what I'm hearing. And if, if you're, if you have that time to, you know, to, to yourself and you just don't have to jump right in this, the swing of things, at least from, from death, uh, it just seems like there, it, it should be something in place to to assist with with that you know especially if something negative happened for them for that person to be let go right you know Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. um so yeah and when you say that typically that you had a few days or a week maybe to Mm -hmm. do that yeah and that that really is what happens and you know so they're expected to come back to work and if they were a high performer, were, well, the expectation is that you continue to be a high performer. Well, right. But they come back with pain. They come back with sometimes regret, with guilt, with um, the fog. They're not able to concentrate. They haven't slept well. They may be coping using um, drugs or alcohol as a coping mechanism. And so they're, they're broken. Yeah, so you've got this person that's back at work um, who who really is not there. And oftentimes, um, I can even say just for myself, having gone back to work, oftentimes other people would get, they would be the closest thing for me to lash out on. And that's what would happen. Mm -hmm. And it, it it really wasn't them. It wasn't them. It was just they were... They were available for me to take out those those emotions that I was holding on to. They were there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe we'll see something like that in the future, even if it was just like, you know, just kind of like when you uh, go on a maternity leave where you have a certain amount of paid days for that. And then after that, you know, you, you know, you're, pay is reduced, but, you know, it's all like excusable days so that you can really take more time to, to you know, just kind of deal with things and, and, and try to bring a level of balance before you have to just jump back into the, to the thick of things. Also, if you know someone that was terminated, 
kind of, you know, not just saying, oh, you'll get another job, girl. Like, yeah. really say, like, are you okay? Or just be mindful that it may not seem traumatic, but maybe for them, it's it's embarrassing. Some people have shame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they have shame. Or if you equated your profession with who you are, if you had like this top executive position and then you're terminated, that all those emotions that come with it, you know, mm-hmm. that's important. To, to and I, and I think too, one of the things that would be helpful is as, you know, those of us who are grief recovery specialists or, or, you know, work in this field to go in and talk to organizations about that. Mm-hmm. Um, even for the, for them to just have more compassion when they know, you know, most times your employer knows what's happened. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they just have more compassion for that person during that time, you right. know, don't put them on a project that <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, is something that may take them, you know, really add a lot more stress to them. You know, mm-hmm. at that point, you know, you don't want to, you're not trying to not help see them perform and things like that. But, you know, oftentimes they think, well, we'll just keep you busier and you won't have time to think about that. But. Yeah, this and this has also got me thinking about uh, the impact that it, that uh, the last um, crisis, financial crisis that we had when the economy pretty much collapsed. What was that? Two, two oh seven, oh eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a lot of people uh, were depressed. Um, there was a lot of suicide attempts. Uh, there was a lot going on around around that. You know, um, so just thinking about just everything that you're saying and making the the, the connection to that, like that was, um, what not necessarily an, an extreme case, but more a case of we're we're seeing large numbers happen at the same time. So hear more about the impact that uh, that those types of things have on people. And even though that was kind of a massive thing, th- these types of things are happening every day where people are, are taking these huge, you know, losses f- from their job or financially in, in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my question is when a person is, is grieving and they uh, need to work with a specialist, mm-hmm. uh, does that process help? Uh, kind of speed up their their grieving, or is it one of those things where it makes it more comfortable for them and it helps support them in dealing with it better through that process? I would definitely say it's the latter and helping them move through the process and supporting them, mm-hmm. you know, because one of the things that a specialist is going to do and also a counselor or therapist is going to help to normalize the person's feelings and the emotions that they're having during Mm -hmm. that recovery period. Um, It's going to person, the specialist will definitely help them to identify behaviors that they've started since Mm -hmm. that, since that loss that they may be, be displaying. And that can range anything. They could be biting their nails, eating more, shopping, um, just isolating themselves. Yes. Um, help to help them to, um, to process the unspoken communication and unfinished emotional, the emotions that they had with that person. Because oftentimes what I have found is that people, you know, there are things that people wish they would have said, you know, and so they're left with a lot of regret. Mm-hmm. And so those things need to be processed. Um, and uh, they can also be thrown back to that, into that original pain. Mm -hmm. Say for instance, at the year anniversary of the person's death. Um, so that's something that would prompt them to, to say, okay, let, I might need to get some help. And it's cyclical. It could be, they could be fined for a few years. And then all of a sudden, if they have, some other type of stressor in their life, it could trigger them back into that pain if they had not processed it. So the the hope would be is that if they did work with a specialist, that they would be able to go back and utilize those tools that that they learned. 
Right. I see. So when someone, okay, so the process of dealing with grief is one to, to face it and kind of deal with how you're feeling, creating a space where you can address it. But then is it like just time is just the true test. And then over time, the triggers that you experience, it just won't, you could still function in your life. You could still live and be happy. Is that the case? Cause it seems like there always will be triggers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a common, it's a combination of those things actually. So just the passage of time is not necessarily healing. Mm-hmm. It's really what we do in that time that is going to contribute to a person's healing. So I could have time pass and, you know, I say I want to do some, reach some goal. Well, time will pass unless I have a plan on how I'm going to reach that goal. Mm -hmm. Time will just pass. So actually doing something about when those emotions come up, you know, facing, like you said, facing that emotion head on and, and just being able to sit in it and say, you know what, I'm sad today because Today is the fifth anniversary of my mother's death. And, you know, these things have happened um, in my life since that time. I really wish she would have been here. I mean, even just that acknowledgement of it and being able to talk to somebody about, you know what, this would have been, you know, especially if someone is seeing that your behavior is a little different or you're a little moody or whatnot, Um, just being able to tell them, you know, well, this is why, you know, I've been a little moody this week and like, oh, okay. And maybe they'll sit there and listen to you, um, you know, because maybe they didn't know. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. And when you're working um, with your clients, like, is is there like a typical amount of time that you usually spend uh, counseling one person? Well, Using the grief recovery method, because it is structured, it's structured individually to work with a person for seven weeks. Okay. But in that time, there is a lot of work that they're doing. They're doing a lot of homework. They're doing a lot of reading. Um, And so at the end of that seven weeks, they come and they have a letter that they have written to their loved one basically off of all the work that's been done over the previous six weeks. Mm -hmm. And so that's taking one loss at a time. And so what they're asked to do is to continue to work on the losses that have come up in their loss history graph and periodically contact that specialist to, you know, read those letters um, just for that person to sit and just listen and not judge them so that they know they're not being judged. They're not being looked on as, you know, you should really be over this by now Mm -hmm. Um, because that's just not the case with everyone. Some people, they can, they can move through loss, you know, and, and be able to reconcile their feelings and emotions more quickly than others. But it's the ones that, that aren't able to, that really need to reach out and, um, and get some assistance. But during that process, though, you're providing them with the tools that they need to, to, um, to deal with it. So uh, maybe your time is up in two months, but uh, now they can, you know, they'll, they'll know what to do when they're feeling and in, in dealing with certain things. They'll have tools to go to in the resort through to, to assist them. Is that how it works? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a time where someone will, or is it not structured like this where they may say, okay, I, we've done our seven weeks, but I want to keep going. Let's uh, continue to work together for a little longer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And because I am a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Ohio, I continue to work with people. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll come in with, you know, either depression, anxiety, but you find out a lot of times that there's a traumatic history and, and a lot of times they're grieving. And so that's an underlying issue for them. And so, yes, we will continue to work together. And if a person wanted to continue to work using the grief recovery method, we would do that. You know, Mm -hmm. we just continue to work through 
those emotions, we would continue to work on what other tools are out there that they can use, um, and to continue to write those letters and get the get that get those emotions up and out of them. Okay. Yeah. So I know that uh, a lot of people listening uh, probably bringing up a lot of thoughts for them um, sure. of. of different things that they've dealt with and may not, you know, be over. And I'm sure there's people that um, are listening that may be even grieving right now. Um, Is there a a technique or some type of tool that uh, you can give the listeners, you know, just kind of an introduction to dealing with uh, grief? That they can implement on their own? Yes. Absolutely. Um, one of them, the, I think the best one really is to is to really talk about the loss and to identify and address those emotions that come up. Um, because once they people start getting busy with their lives, they don't necessarily go back and address it. And so and to not let the death of their loved one overshadow their life. Mm-hmm. Because we tend to, you know, have this negative view on things. And so we'll focus on that last moment, that last thing, which is the death, where the person had so many years before that where they were alive and we don't recognize, don't remember that because of the pain. And so definitely talking about the loss and and breathing I can't tell you how often I hear my clients say that just using um, a deep breathing exercises help calm them down. And it brings what it does is helps to ground them and bring them back to the present. Because where we go with grief is we go back into the past. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time back there. And back there is just a lot of depression. And so in order to get them to a point where they're, they're more grounded, that breath, concentrating on breathing and doing some deep breathing can bring them back and keep them grounded in the present so that they realize that, you know, that experience is not happening right now. Yeah, thank you for that. That was, that was powerful. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the breath uh, we we talk about it often. So many people just neglect the the power of being conscious of of breathing and not just you know letting it be. We actually had a a breathing specialist on uh, one of our shows, and mm-hmm. she spoke about these aspects. So I'm happy that you know you're bringing that up and mm-hmm. um, bringing people back to the to the breath and how important it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. For uh, for the people out there that uh, want uh, more information from you, they want to uh, follow you, they want to uh, to reach out and um, contact you for for services. Uh, what information can you provide them today? Well, today the best way to contact me is on the phone. I I really am old school, and I prefer a phone call. So. Mm-hmm. I can be reached at area code 216-586-4377. That's my business number. So that really is the best way to contact me. Okay. Yeah, and I'll list that in the show notes pages. Yes. And uh, is there is there uh, any email or, or calling is best? Calling is best. Um, if they did want to reach out through email, it's my first name dot my last name. 2016 at yahoo.com. So Doris.Rhodes2016 at yahoo.com. Okay, great. Yeah, and that'll definitely be in the show notes. Uh, incredible show. I'm yes. really happy uh, that we had you on. This and, is going to help so many yeah, people. Yeah, I had a chance to really talk about this. And uh, just to, you know, lighten it up a little bit, just from Everything that I heard tonight, your business should be booming, right? <laughs> I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about really this topic that is really not talked about enough. Yes. No. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for joining thank us. Both yes. of you so much. And, and con- much continued success on your podcast and everything that you're doing with the wellness and just really helping us all get get to be our best selves in every possible area of our lives. And I just appreciate everything that you all are doing as well. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, we'll talk soon. All right now. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye. So that is the conclusion of our interview with Doris Rhodes. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode, but most importantly, you receive value from it. And before we go, make sure to check out our customized detox programs. You can access that on our website. Um, Also, make sure to check out our new website to let us know what you think. And for the show notes page to this episode, it is lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash 101. And on there, we will list Doris's contact information. We will list a link for the customized detoxes that we offer. It's a great way to check out our new website. And we'll also list a previous episode where we talked about the power of the breath, episode number 25 from with Ayo Handy Kendi. Um, I'll list that in the show notes as well. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until next time, live healthier.